Welcome back to Daf HaShavua, where this week we're going to be learning uh, Daf Mem, Misech Sivamos, and uh, continuing on through, uh, through the end of the fourth parak of the Masechta. So the Gemara at the bottom of Daf Lama Tessam Bez is trying to figure out how to understand the Brisa, which appeared above, which describes Yivamo Yavo Aleha Mitzvah. That when a person engages in the act of Yibum and performs this Mitzvah of Yibum, that it is considered to be a Mitzvah. So the Gemara wants to know, what does it mean that the concept, that the performance of the Yibum is a Mitzvah? So Rav Avdimi comes along and describes that when the Brisa says Yivamo Yavo Aleha Mitzvah, it means that Yibum must take place for the sole purpose of fulfilling the mitzvah yibum, and not for an ulterior motive, such as uh, love or such as any other uh, any other motivation to come and marry somebody, but rather it should be performed specifically to fulfill this Torah commandment of yibum. Rava, however, explains that the brisa of Yavamo Yavo Aleha mitzvah teaches us that the word mitzvah is teaching us that yibum is the only way, the only option to perform this mitzvah of yibum, and there's no other way, there's no way out of uh, fulfilling this mitzvah of yibum except through the performance of the actual yibum. So the Gemara uh, is describing over here a halacha context in which the following thing takes place. We begin... And we go from somebody or something in action that was mutter, right? Before this woman was married to your brother, she was certainly mutter to you. She was permissible for you to marry. She was a regular woman. Subsequently, she then became asura. She then became prohibited for you to marry as she went ahead and married your brother. Now that she's uh, married to your brother, so obviously you can't go ahead and marry her. And once your brother dies and she falls to Yibum, so she becomes mutter to you, she becomes muteris to you once again. So the Gemara is wondering, when she becomes muteris at that third stage, after being Asura and after being muteris in the first stage, is she just as permissible to you? Is she just as muteris to you as she was at the first stage of Heter, when you could have married her uh, just for uh, for the sole sake of love, for the sole sake of having a relationship with her? So the Gemara at this point is trying to figure out uh, are these two levels of heter uh, similar? Are they parallel? This first level of when this uh, this woman was muteris to you, and this third level of now that she's muteris to you once again, is she just as muteris to you as she was round one? So the Gemara tries to find a parallel case where we have something that goes from being mutter to usser, and then again to becoming mutter to you again, and tries to identify whether or not the process of yibum. Uh, is going to be able to be compared to this uh, to this other case that we are ultimately going to find. Sigmar describes the case of a korban mincha. Korban mincha, the Torah tells us in uh, Parshas Tzav, is one of the kodshi uh, one of the kodshi kodshim. It's a korban that uh, that needs to be uh, eaten on uh, on the mizbe- uh, that needs to be eaten in the azara. And we know that when it comes to kodshi kodshim, so only kohanim are able to eat uh, to eat the uh, to eat the uh, uh, to eat this korban, and it must be eaten in the azara in the uh, the holiest part of the Beis Hamikdash. So when it comes to the korban mincha, the Torah tells us that originally the korban mincha was just some flour and just some oil, and it was totally muteris to you. Then it became asura because uh, the entirety of the korban has become hectic the flour and the oil and the other ingredients 
have become uh, muktosh, have become sanctified, have been, uh, have been set aside to be used as a korban. And then the Torah describes and Torah Sheba Pes certainly elaborates through a process called kemitza, where basically the Kohen takes three fingers and scoops a little bit of the, uh, of the flour out and then burns that flour. Uh, on the Mizbeach, burns that comates on the Mizbeach. So the rest of the Korban then becomes mutter for the Kohen, uh, mutter for the Kohen to eat. And basically what the Gemara is describing over here is a seemingly parallel case. When we have the case of the Korban Mincha, the Korban Mincha was mutter, mutter to you originally. It was a little bit of flour and a little bit of uh, oil and some other ingredients. Then it became Asura when it became Hektish. And then it goes back to uh, uh, attaining a status of being, uh, being mutter when the kemitza was, uh, when the kemitza, uh, was performed. Sigmar says that at this third stage, uh, of heter, so you might have thought that it was just as mutter, uh, at this third stage, as it was at the first stage, similar to what we mentioned earlier about the case in Yevamos. But there's a Pasuk which teaches us, Matzos Te'achel Bimkom Kadosh, that the Matzos need to be uh, eaten in the uh, in a, uh, a, a, a Makom Kadosh, and now the eating of this Korban is actually a uh, is actually a mitzvah. So the Gemara entertains a Hava Amina over here, where a person might have thought that the remaining Korban Mincha at stage three, at this level of uh, 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 of heter, that it may be eaten in the same way uh, in which it was able to be eaten before it became hektish, when it was at stage one. And therefore the Torah comes along and the Torah teaches us lemitzvah. When the Torah uses the word lemitzvah, so it needs to be eaten in a proper way and it can't be eaten in a, uh, in a different way uh, than it would be, uh, than it originally would have been, uh, than it originally would have been eaten by. So the Gemara wants to know, what other way, and how else could the korban mincha have been eaten? What are the ways in which the korban mincha could be eaten that at this third stage there would be some sort of a different level of permissibility than there was uh, than there was in the first stage? So the Gemara offers numerous suggestions over here. One of which is that the korban must be eaten. Uh, with an appetite, the Gemara uses the word leteavon, as opposed to be eaten in a form uh, of achila that's referred to as uh, as achila gasa, some sort of uh, some sort of gluttonous eating, eating in a way that uh, that doesn't necessarily uh, that doesn't necessarily resemble uh, achila. And uh, the Gemara comes along, and the Gemara rejects that havamina because the Gemara says that achila gasa never actually constitutes a real act of eating that the pasuk would have to come and exclude it specifically when it comes to the Korban Mincha. So the Gemara concludes that the uh, that the Pasuk that, uh, that, 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 that excludes eating the, uh, the Korban Mincha uh, the, sorry, the Gemara uh, comes along and the Gemara says that, uh, that the Pasuk comes along and uh, basically uh, concludes that we cannot eat the Korban Mincha in a state of what the Gemara refers to and what uh, Halacha refers to as uh, being what's called the Chalot. The word chalot, the Gemara tries to figure out what that word chalot means, but basically the difference in this third stage of heter is now the korban mincha can't be eaten uh, as uh, as bread or matzah that was uh, that was made through a process that includes uh, this process that's referred to as like scalding uh, scalding dough and boiling water before baking and going ahead and proceeding with the baking of the matzah. So the Gemara concludes and says that on Pesach a person can actually be yotze their mitzvah of matzah with this type of scalded matzah, but 
over here in the third stage of the uh, heter, of the korban mincha, that uh, the korban is currently in. So this bread can only be eaten as, uh, as regularly baked matzah if you were to do this process called chalot on this, uh, on, this, uh, on this flour, on this bread, so it couldn't be eaten. There's a way in which uh, a person is not allowed to eat this, uh, what remains of the korban, that originally, certainly before the, uh, the korban became kadosh, before it was uh, established and before it was set aside as hektish, it could have been eaten chalot, it could have been eaten regular, it could have been eaten baked or fried or any other way that we would eat a, uh, any other way that we would eat, uh, that we would eat bread. But now once it's gone through this process of being mutter, then usser, and now mutter again, says the Gemara, now we can't eat it chalot. So the Gemara uh, comes to a pause over here, but I want to go back and try to understand this Hava Amina, where the Gemara said that we might have thought that there's some sort of difference between the eating um, liteavon and the eating uh, by eating this uh, the rest of this korban mincha ba'achila gasa and try to understand what this concept of uh, what this concept of achila gasa actually is. So on the daf tosos and uh, the third. Tosos over here on our daf on daf mem amad aleph and dibar maskil achila gasa quotes the gemara nazir about two different people that uh, that go ahead and that eat korban pesach. So one eats korban pesach uh, in a uh, in a way that's referred to as achila gasa as a glutton, and one eats it for the sake of fulfilling the korban of fulfilling the mitzvah of eating korban pesach. So Tosa says that the one that ate uh, achila gasa didn't do the mitzvah in Amuvchar. And that's what Tosos really spells out in Meseches Nazir. They did the mitzvah, but not necessarily the mitzvah in Amuvchar. But seemingly, uh, they definitely bidyeved were Yotzi the mitzvah. Tosos over there in Nazir describes the fact that really, in essence, there are two different types of achilagasa that a person uh, could engage in. The first type of achilagasa is a person that's, uh, you're definitely full, you're definitely, uh, you know, I would say stuffed, but if the dessert comes out and there's a great piece of uh, cake or a great cookie that's going to come out, so you're still going to find room to uh, to put that piece of food in your mouth and to eat that. So that is still going to be referred to as achila. But Tosa says that there's another type of achila gasa as well. That even if your favorite food comes out and the greatest dessert, the most uh, attractive type of dessert comes out, that you can't even get it in your mouth. And Toso says that if you eat the Korban Pesach being satiated to this level, then you wouldn't even be Yotze the Korban Pesach. Now, what's the reason that Achila Gasa is not referred to as Achila? It's uh, not Chashuv, Achila, it's not considered to be as eating. So the, uh, there are two different approaches in the Rishonim that uh, one is over here on the Daf and one is uh, based, on a, uh, based on a Rambam in Yisodei HaTorah. And over here on Daf Mem in Yivamos, so Rashi uses uh, the words in Dibar Maskil Pater. Rashi describes the fact that the reason you're Pater is because you're being Mazik yourself. You're, uh, you're damaging yourself. You're doing something that, uh, that provides a, a sense of damage to, uh, to your body. And as a result of this level of Mazik, uh, so you're not allowed to engage. And uh, if you were to engage in Achila Gasa with regards to fulfilling a mitzvah, so you wouldn't be uh, in fulfillment, you wouldn't be in fulfillment of that mitzvah. The Mishnah Melech uh, on the Rambam, Hilchas Yisodei HaTorah Perikei writes, no, that the reason that Achila Gasa is not considered to be Achila, it's 
That's not the way that people. Uh, that's not the way that people uh, eat generally, and therefore you would be putter from any achila uh, based iser if you were to eat an item uh, in a uh, in a state of uh, in a state of achila uh, gasa. So when it comes to uh, how we look at this practically and how we think of this halachalamaisa, uh, so the Rama in Hilchos Yom Kippur in Simon Tafresh Yud Beis Seif Vav describes the following thing. And the Ramah writes, um, uh, really the Shulchan Aruch begins and says, Achal, achal, If you eat something that's not roi l'achila, it's not, uh, it doesn't fit, it's not able to be eaten. O she'achal achila gasa kigon miyad. Al achila she'achal erev yom ha'kipurim ad she'katz b'mizono pater. So says the, uh, says the Shulchan Aruch over here that if a person eats immediately upon the starting of Yom Kippur, after you've had your Suda Samasekis, and after you've, uh, you've prepared for the fast in a way that's, uh, that's appropriate for, uh, for the, uh, the holiday of Yom Kippur. So immediately upon Yom Kippur beginning, if you go ahead, if you go ahead and you, uh, you engage in some sort of uh, eating, that would be considered to be Achila Gasa, and you would be putter. So uh, according to Rashi, maybe it's because you're Mazik, according to the Mishnah Lamelech, maybe it's simply because that's lo kederech achila, but the Ramah then goes ahead and the Ramah adds a caveat and the Ramah says that if a uh, person eats something that smells good or a person eats something that uh, that adds another element of benefit to a person's body, so uh, that certainly is going to be usser uh, that certainly is going to be usser uh, on a uh, on a uh, on a Orisa level because it seems that you're getting some sort of benefit in uh, some sort of benefit in that situation, the Ksav Sofer, uh, which is uh, which uh, uh, is quoted, describes the following thing. And in Orachaim Simon Kufir Aleph Os Aleph, so the Ksav Sofer writes that just like when you eat something that is uh, that is uh, 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 that isn't roi lachila, it's not uh, it's not edible. So you're going to be putter. So too, when you eat something shalok achila, you're also going to be putter on a deoraisa level. Albeit you'll be uh, likely chayiv derabanan. And specifically on Yom Kippur, says the uh, says the uh, ksav sofer that you're eating over here without what he refers to as uh, as a yishuv hadas. It's not like a, uh, a normal way in which a person eats. And therefore, a person would be uh, putter de orisa. So, interestingly enough, this becomes uh, practical when it comes to uh, all sorts of um, uh, unnatural uh, types uh, of eating and uh, and satiation. And when it comes to what the post can refer to as a sinoro samichuberes legufo, which is uh, like a uh, some sort of feeding tube. So, the achiezer and chilgimel seif. Uh, uh, Samach Aleph describes that certainly if a person eats through a feeding tube, you're not going to be Chayiv Minat Torah. Um, and even though your body is going to get the nutrients and the supplements that it's going to need, you're not going to be Chayiv unless you have what the Achiezer refers to as Hana Sheba Al Yedei Achila Derech Hagaron. Unless the food goes through uh, your throat, unless you can taste it, unless you can get this level of Hana, the, uh, you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to be Chayiv on, uh, on Yom Kippur for eating in this way. So that uh, concludes over here, this Hava Amina of, uh, of Achila Gasa. Again, uh, we discuss the possibility of Rashi and the Mishnah Lamelech, the Ksav Sofer, who describes the fact that a person eats on Yom Kippur 
uh, is uh, is uh, is going to be putter because they're not eating with the yishevadas and ultimately this uh, this tshuva uh, of the achiezer where the achiezer describes that a person that eats uh, with some sort of feeding tube uh, is not going to be chayiv minatora uh, obviously because they're not having what's called hana uh, derech hagaron albeit their body is still receiving the, uh, the nutrients that a person needs. So that was the, uh, the Hava Amina as to why in this third stage of uh, the Korban Mincha, that at this third stage of, uh, of the Korban Mincha, that there's something different in the level of permissibility than there was at the first stage of, uh, of this Korban Mincha, when it was totally muteris, when it was totally uh, permissible for you to eat it in any fashion, in any way in which you would want. And the Gemara got there trying to compare this, uh, this situation of a Korban Mincha where we have muteres asura muteres to the world of Yivama when you have a woman who is totally muteres to you as a regular normal woman she then became asura and then in the third stage after her uh, after her husband your brother unfortunately passes away then becomes uh, muteres to you uh, as well albeit with uh, albeit with restrictions so the Mishnah then continues moving forward on the daf and describes that a person that engages in chalitza as opposed to yibum and uh, in terms of the nachala that uh, that the cholitz is going to receive that he does not receive any different nachala, any different inheritance than any of the brothers. However, the Mishnah concludes and the Mishnah says that if the father is still alive, that the father is really going to be the one that's, uh, that's going to get the nechassin, that's going to get the Yerusha of, uh, of, this, uh, of, the, uh, of, of the father's son, of your brother who has just recently passed away. That if the brother passes away, that all of his belongings and all of his inheritances are going to go... Uh, back to uh, back to the father and not to the brothers if the father is going to be still alive. The mission of the Gemara then continue to discuss whether or not uh, as the uh, as the daf moves forward. So we're going to try to understand um, as the uh, as the Gemara goes on. Daf Memam and Beis. So the Gemara wants to know. Uh, whether or not the shnios arayos, these uh, secondary prohibited relationships, which the Gemara, which the Masechta described uh, earlier on in the Masechta, are those relationships going to be uh, going to be usher when uh, when a chalitza uh, is done? So, who would be in the category of these shnios uh, arayos? Who would be uh, within this category of this uh, this group of people that the Gemara is discussing as to whether or not they are going to be? Asura for you to uh, to go ahead in our relationship with. So the great grandmother uh, of uh, of the wife of your uh, of your deceased brother. Um, so that would be considered to be uh, what the Gemara refers to over here as the Shani uh, Arayos. And ultimately, uh, the Gemara concludes at the bottom of Daf Memamidbeis that uh, we are. Indeed, goes there for the Shniyos Arayos, and if a man does chalitza with uh, his late brother's wife, that this man would be, would, would be uh, a surah to these secondary Arayos. Uh, again, the great-great-grandmother, the great-grandmother, uh, and uh, many other relatives that have uh, numerous different levels uh, of, uh, of, uh, of great coming before their, uh, before their title. Um, and, uh, and ultimately, the Gemara concludes over here that uh, this cholitz, would be uh, asura to uh, all of these shnios arayos, and that rounds up the uh, a brief summary of uh, the daf shavua for daf mem 
in Yisachas Yivamu, Daf Mem Amid Aleph, as well as Daf Mem Amid Beis.